0: lacking faith that I could do it. Surely you know what I'm talking about. God had called me to complete a task. It had been sitting on the shelf for several years. I dabbled with it, but it was time to, to get the job done, and so the elders at the church where I was serving gave me three months uh, sabbatical to complete the task. And my faith was very weak, and I needed God to strengthen it. And so I decided, for three months, I would park in one place, Hebrews chapter 11. Every day for three months, I would read Hebrews chapter 11. Some days I would read a paragraph. Some days I would read a few sentences. Some days I would read the whole chapter. Some days I would read one sentence. I remember a number of years ago uh, reading a book, Donald Whitney, the disciplines in the Christian life, spoke of the principle that sometimes less is more. Yes, we read the Bible, and that's incredibly important, but there is the all-important practice of meditation. It's like taking a tea bag and letting it steep in hot water. If you take it out too quickly, no difference, right? But if you let one thing, one word, steep in your soul, the Holy Spirit has opportunity to take the Word of Christ and make it dwell richly within your heart. And so, I decided to focus on Hebrews chapter 11. That was the teabag. The one place, less is more. This is where I'll focus. Holy Spirit, I'm weak in faith, would You strengthen me? Because I really don't believe I can get it done. This morning, I'd like us to consider Hebrews chapter 11 together. Because I know that God is calling you to run your particular race in front of you. And if you're like me, your faith grows weak and you need God to strengthen it. So let's read this, this famous chapter, the Hall of Faith, as it were, heroes of, heroes of Faith, that the writer to the Hebrews reaches back in redemptive history and selectively picks examples of God's people pressing forward by faith. Just by way of reminder you know that the letter is written to Christians like you and me who are tempted to shrink back, tempted to let go and 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 and, and give up on their faith. And so the writer through these chapters over and over and over again, keeps pounding the drum, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Don't shrink back. Let's go forward, because Jesus is better than the old. And so he pivots at the end of chapter 10 in verses 35 through 39, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. together. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible." By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith... Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David, and Samuel, And the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This is God's Word. Let me pray for us. Father, we do pray that You would open the eyes of our hearts to see what these saints saw as they stood on tiptoe, as it were, looking down the corridors of time to see your salvation in Jesus. Would you help us? In Christ's name, amen. Well, I typically don't try to preach from a chapter of Scripture. It's a a wonderful chapter, a challenging one to preach, a long list of of examples of people who lived by faith, set forth to kindle in my heart and to kindle in your heart a heart of faith to move forward. I want to consider the text selectively through the lens of four themes. First of all, the battle for your faith, secondly, the response of your faith, thirdly, the channel, the conduit of your faith, and finally, the outcome. And uh, time permitting, I'll tell you what happened at the end of my story, the battle for faith. It is a battle for the ears of your heart. There is a tug of war that you and I face daily between two voices. On the one hand, God speaks. He reveals Himself in Scripture. He speaks a true word of hope, a promise regarding what He will do, and a command regarding what we must do. Consider how He spoke to Noah in Genesis chapter 6, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence, so make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. Genesis 22, God speaks to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you, a place that you will later receive as an inheritance. He speaks to Sarah. In Genesis chapter 17, I will bless her and will surely give you, Abraham, a son by her. And once more, God speaks to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. And then to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And then to Joshua in Joshua chapter 6. March around the city seven times and have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the city, the wall of the city, will fall down. God speaks a word of promise and a word of command. But that's only one side of the tug of war. Because on the other side of the tug of war, the world speaks. Your flesh speaks, the devil speaks, a false word of hope, an alternative promise to believe, an alternative command to obey. Imagine with me the temptation facing Abel. What a waste. Can you hear the voice? Can you identify with this? Why would you give to the Lord your very best? Why do that? You're caught in the tug-of-war. God speaks, flesh speaks, world speaks. What about Noah? Can you imagine the people speaking to Noah? Have you lost your mind? What are you talking about? Why are you building this boat? Imagine the temptation that Abraham would face. This is crazy. To get up and go like this without any direction? What are you doing? Or can you identify with Sarah? I'm too weak. I'm too old. This cannot happen. This is impossible. Again, consider the temptation faced by Abraham. You would be absolutely foolish to give up your only son like this, the child of promise, or the temptation facing Moses. You know, you could be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why don't you enjoy the pleasures of sin. Why not? So much better. The temptation facing Joshua, circle around the city seven times? Are you kidding me? Can you feel something of the tug of war? God speaks, other voices speak. And the million dollar question is, which voice will get final say? One of my favorite movies many, many years ago uh, came out starring uh, Russell Crowe. It was the movie called A Beautiful Mind. It was so fascinating. John Nash, professor of economics at Princeton University, trapped within a variety of, of voices, he, He struggled to live in reality, he he lived within an imaginary world, a world in which three particular people, three particular friends were, were big in his eyes. There was a friend named Charles, there was a little girl named Marcy, there was a Department of Defense worker named Parcher. And these three people would speak and control his world. And so, John Nash had this great difficulty of navigating life, especially in his relationships and at work. But it was so fascinating. The turning point for Professor John Nash was when he began to trust a voice outside of his own. His wife began to speak, and he began to listen. No longer was he listening to the monologue, the conversation going on in his mind. He began to trust a person outside of himself. And that voice configured his reality. That voice enabled him to live by faith. To live by faith in a world outside of himself. And he began to trust. And he began to grow. And he began to make progress. And that's the challenge. All of these people are caught between this tug of war. God speaks and other voices speak. This is my challenge. And I suspect this is your challenge, if we're open and honest about it. Which voice will control our lives? On display here is this battle for faith. And men and women who learned this all-important skill to give God's Word final stay instead of any alternative voice. It's the battle for faith. Secondly, consider with me the response of faith. Faith looks, as it were, in two directions. There is nothing introspective about it. We might even call it this double extrospection. On the one hand, faith looks up to the Lord and believes what He says. And horizontally, faith looks out and expresses itself in concrete, tangible action. Faith expressing itself in constructive love. It's two-dimensional, upward. Outward, never inward and downward, but upward toward the Lord in faith and outward into the world in concrete, constructive action. Consider Abraham. Watch how he moves outward and takes action. Verse 8, He obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 9, He made his home in the promised land like a stranger. He lived in tents. It's very concrete. It's very right down in the nitty-gritty of details. He moves outward and he takes action. Why? Because he's looking upward. And he's believing God's promise. Verse 10, faith sees that God is the architect, the designer, the builder of a city with foundations. And faith loves what it sees. Verse 10, he was looking forward to, longing forward, the city. His faith sees. Verse 13, he saw the things promised from a distance. But his faith loves what it sees. Verse 13, He welcomed the things promised from a distance. His faith sees. It looks upward. He's looking for a country that's not his own. Verse 14, And his faith loves what it sees. Verse 16, he was longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Continue to keep your eyes on Abraham. Watch how he moves outward and takes concrete action. He lifts the knife over Isaac. It's very concrete, disobedience. There's nothing abstract about it. His faith expresses itself in concrete action. He moves into his world. He lifts the knife over Isaac. Verse 17, he was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Why? Because faith looks upward and believes God's promise. Verse 19, his faith sees Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And it powers him to act. Faith loves what it sees. No longer does he want to achieve God's plan his own way. He's had enough of that. Now he's come to love God's way. And so he trusts. Consider Moses. Again, we can only be selective. Watch how Moses moves outward and takes action. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. He left Egypt. He persevered one day at a time, right down to the details where life is actually lived. Faith expresses itself in concrete action. Why? Because he's looking upward and believing God's promise. His faith sees... Yes, he sees the king's anger, but even more, he saw him who is invisible. Yes, he saw the treasures of Egypt, but even more, he was looking ahead to something with more glory, with more weight. He was looking ahead for his reward. And faith loves what it sees. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. He did not fear the king's frown, but even more, he treasured the Lord's smile. There's the battle for faith. There's this two-dimensional response of faith. But thirdly, there's the channel of faith. We might be tempted to read a passage like this and and think to ourselves, wow, she is really smart. Wow, he is really strong. But that would be to place the accent on the wrong person, wouldn't it? The reason faith gets expressed in action is because God's grace, His power flows through a channel of faith faith not only looks upward and believes God's promise faith also looks upward and receives God's power God's effective grace flows down to dependent faith it's a channel a conduit it's what links your weakness to God's power coming up on my third winter in Michigan. I'm hardly a pro, but I'm learning the ropes. Before we got here, down in North Carolina, it sometimes got cold. One day it got down to 13 degrees, and um, apparently the, the heater in the, in the well house was not warm enough, and I woke up the next morning to a PVC pipe that was connected to the well that was just shattered, and kids, it looked like a Slurpee. It's this big Slurpee, this big pipe with this, this, this frozen water just oozing out of the pipe, and there's no water in the house, and I don't know what to do. So I call a few friends, right, and they tell me what to do. Go inside, go downstairs in the basement and turn off the water, got it. Now call a plumber, (laughs) got it. And so I call my plumber and I watch with fascination this skillful plumber coming in and, and dismantling and disconnecting the PVC pipe and then inserting a brand new one and making the connection, and by this time it had warmed up quite a bit. And there it was. There's my fresh PVC pipe, and all things look good. And now he says, now go inside and turn on the water. And I say, got it. And so I go inside, and I'll never forget, it was sort of a mundane moment, but it was quite illuminating. I turn the lever, and right above me, (sighs) waters gush forth into every room of the house running through the pipes, and I thought, that's it. God's grace flows through my faith. That PVC pipe is the instrument, the conduit that links my house to that well. That's what Scripture teaches. Faith not only looks upward and believes God's promise, faith also looks upward and receives God's power. Faith is that PVC pipe that links the house of your life to the wellspring of God's power. That's what's driving this whole dynamic that unfolds in Hebrews chapter 11. Consider verses 33 through 35, the impossible triumphs. Watch how they move outward and take action. They conquered kingdoms as God's grace flowed through their faith. They administered justice as God's grace flowed through their faith. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the furies of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. They turned weakness into strength as God's effective grace worked through their living faith. Power. (sighs) It is by grace, through faith, that we live. They became powerful in battle. They routed foreign armies. They received back their dead. They not only lived by God's grace through their faith, they also fought, pushed back the darkness, by God's grace, through their living faith. They're looking upward, and they're receiving what God promises to give. I am the true vine. You are the branch. If you abide in me, I will give you grace to live, Jesus says, John chapter 15. It's the dynamic of the Christian life. It's on every page of Scripture. God's grace through living faith. Consider the unyielding sufferings. Verse 35-38, through 38. watch how they move outward and take action. Are you suffering this morning? Scripture gives you words, people with whom you can identify with. Look at how these people move outward and take action. They're tortured and refusing to be released. They faced jeers and flogging and chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Why? Because they were looking upward and receiving God's power. The battle for your faith, the response of your faith, the channel of your faith, the outcome of your faith. You know, there's that old proverb that has come to us through the centuries. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. For want of a rider, the battle was lost. For want of a battle, the kingdom was lost, and all for the want of a horseshoe nail." Notice from this passage that the obedience that springs from faith counts. It has consequences. It has ripple effects through history. It furthers God's plan of redemption. Can you feel redemption marching forward through this passage? Every act of faith matters. It all is leading to the coming of Jesus. Through these people, redemption is on the march. And then comes Jesus, the man of faith, who every step of his life lives by faith and expresses it in concrete love. And not only to the coming of Jesus, but this passage reminds us that from the coming of Jesus, every act of your faith matters. Redemption is marching forward as you express your faith in Christ and as you live for Him. He's bringing His kingdom, and it has the consequence of receiving God's word of approval. Did you notice verse 39? These were all commended for their faith. Abel was commended as righteous, verse 4. Enoch was commended as the one who pleased God, verse 5. Noah pleased God and became heir of the righteousness that is by faith, verse 7. And verse 16, God is not ashamed to be called their God. It's the most wonderful commendation a person could ever receive to those of us who live by faith. Well, I told you I read the whole chapter for three months. Let me close on a personal note. There was one person in this hall of faith that really caught my eye. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered God faithful who had promised. That verse is so etched in my heart because God used Sarah to teach me to finish my course by faith. I had the first draft of my dissertation written. I had to complete it. I was running out of time. And that might not seem like a big deal to you unless you know that writing is so incredibly difficult for me. I could so identify with Sarah because she was barren. How is she going to bring forth any fruit? And that's the question I'm asking myself. For three months, I'm Enjoying my cup of coffee, I'm sitting on the couch and 20 feet away is my laptop computer on a little table and I've got to get up from my comfortable couch and I've got to walk across the room and sit down at the laptop and put my fingers on the keyboard and I'm scared to death because I have nothing to say. I feel so barren. Can you feel the discomfort of that? What is going on in your life There's something that God is calling you to do and you're avoiding it. You do not want to get up off the couch. You would rather sit there because it is the most scary thing in the world to get up by faith, walk across the room, and put your fingers down and begin to try. It's too threatening. It's too scary. And I know exactly how you feel. You look inside, I have nothing. This is ridiculous. This absolutely makes no sense for me to get up and go over there. But Sarah taught me to do it. Can you imagine how ridiculous it felt for Sarah to walk into the bedroom? This absolutely makes no sense. But she considered him faithful who had promised. She considered God to be not a liar, but a truth-teller. God promised that from the deadness of Sarah's womb, He would bring forth the child of promise. That one verse is why I was able to complete the task. By faith, Greg finished the task, even while he was past the age. What are you laughing at? (laughs) Yeah, you see? You see, it's the battle for faith. God speaks, and Greg speaks, and you speak, and others speak. This is ridiculous. You can't do this. And on and on the monologue goes. But Sarah considered Him faithful who had promised. And Sarah taught me, the Holy Spirit taught me through Sarah to consider Him faithful who had promised. And I suspect this morning He's teaching you the same thing. I don't know what it is, but there's something in front of you. And you don't think you can do it. By faith, you look upward, you can do it, you will help me, you will not fail me, you will meet me. And you get up. It's not spectacular, it's, it's very mundane. You get up from the couch, you walk across the room, you put your fingers on the keyboard, and you act in your world faith expressing itself in concrete action. That's what He's calling us to do this morning. Let's pray that He would particularize the dynamic for each of us. Father, we, You've given us the basic dynamic. It's never old. It's always relevant. My brothers and sisters and I, are facing new questions, new challenges, new hardships. There's something in front of us this week we would rather avoid it. We don't want to lean into it. We're afraid. We're anxious. We're discouraged. We know ourselves well. We, we look inside and we see our lives are beset with weakness. And it seems so impossible. And it is. Were it not For the God who gives grace, effective grace, that's worked in and received by faith and worked out in concrete action, would you help us this week move into our world? Would you help us this week to live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and gives himself still more to us this week? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we continue and conclude with this theme of living by faith. Let's stand together. the hebrews speaks this last word good word of benediction for god's people may the god of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our lord jesus christ that great shepherd of the sheep may he equip you with everything good to do his will working in us what is pleasing in his sight through jesus to whom belongs glory forever and ever. Amen.